There are times when the sadness overtakes the heart, times when the pain seems to be more than we can bear, times when the soul hurts. In those moments, we long for something that we cannot get in our isolation. In those moments, the soul longs for words of hope from someone that knows them. Face-to-face -face words that will comfort, heal, give, hope, and remind us of the promises of God. God calls us to remind one another of His promises. He calls us to speak truth with great love. He calls us to speak hope with great faith. He calls us to speak a blessing. Welcome this morning to Vertical and to a brand new series. I'm excited about what's ahead for us this month, and uh, I'm always excited about uh, new paths that God is taking us on, every one of our series and what, they, uh, what they've meant to us as a church, what they do in us. Today we begin a brand new series called The Blessing, and I'm looking forward to all that's ahead. So when I was growing up, I was, uh, I was not part of a family that did a lot of hunting or not a whole lot of fishing even, and not a whole lot of working on car stuff. So I don't have a frame of reference for any of that stuff growing up. Uh, I grew up as uh, the creative kid. Uh, I loved some Legos and some Hot Wheels, but I also enjoyed drawing and painting. And I took art lessons from um, uh, a woman named Marie Kern in Oak Cliff. And she had a, a shop uh, first on Westmoreland and Falls Drive in that shopping center there. And she later moved over to West, uh, Westmoreland and Illinois area. And then down near Illinois, Cockrell Hill, a little 7-Eleven set over there, and her shop was next door to that. If all you Oak Cliff folks, you know where I'm talking about. And uh, I enjoyed painting. It was oil painting, and every week I went for lessons. I did that from second grade all the way to my sophomore year in high school. It's a lot of time, and if we hadn't moved to Red Oak, I would probably have continued doing it. It was, it was a great, uh, I say pastime, but it was really part of, it fit my interest and skills and, and talent, and I loved uh, Miss Kern and what she taught. But going to the art lessons was not as much of an enjoyment as what happened after that. So in the latter years, it was on Monday nights, my parents would take me to art lessons, you know, at 7 o'clock, they come pick me up at 9 o'clock, and I'd go back home, and my dad is sitting there watching Monday night football, right? It's, it's Monday nights, and it's Howard Cosell and Dandy Don Meredith is the announcers. Some of you older folks like me recognize those names. Others are like, I don't know what you're talking about. I would go in with my art kit full of paints and brushes and set that down, and I always had with me the painting that I was working on. And sometimes it was, you know, I'd just been one week into it. Sometimes it was a couple of weeks. Sometimes I'd finished it. I would bring it in, and I would set it down in front of the TV and sit back and wait because I wanted to hear what my parents would say. I was the only child. I didn't have brothers or sisters in the home. They were it. They were my audience. And I would sit that there, and my dad never complained about, you know, blocking the TV or interrupting the game or whatever it was. They would stop, and they would always praise whatever I had done that night. 
and tell me how awesome the painting looked and what a great job I had done. That moment right there meant the world to me because I was hearing the people that mattered most who loved me, that I loved, I was able to hear them say, I love you, I'm proud of you, I'm glad you belong to us. Now they didn't say that in their words, they said, oh that's beautiful, that paint, way to go, that looks great. But what that said to me was, I love you, you matter, and you belong here in our family. That kind of blessing, that kind of statement is what we all are born longing for. Every one of us. You were, you were created by God with a desire to hear those words. I love you. You matter. You belong. And I'm so proud of you. We long to hear that most from the people who matter most to us. It's nice when some random person says some compliments to us, but it's, it matters what a mom says to a child and what a dad says to a child. Um, Heather and I both will keep up with Andy Stanley. He's another pastor in Atlanta, and he has a lot of parenting uh, messages that he does, and we were talking about a series lately that he had done on parenting. He was talking about the worth and the, the value of a parent's words, and he said, uh, it's, a, it's a curious thing because God has designed it in such a way that a parent's words matter to a child. But he said, for a, a child, a mom's words weigh 100 pounds. They're weighty. They matter. The way she says them, the things she means, the, what she communicates to the child in the way of worth and value and love. And a dad's words, they weigh 500 pounds. They weigh more. A dad's words are vital and important in a child's life. But as parents, it's important that we know how to pass on to our children a blessing. Words. Heart that say, you belong here, I love you, you matter, and I'm proud of you. Now it's sad because a lot of families don't carry on those kind of traditional blessings anymore, being able to even say those things. A lot of dads even say, well, that's just too awkward. I mean, I just get emotional thinking about it, you know? And my dad in some ways was that way for most of his life until the latter years of his life he recommitted his life to Christ. And the man that I saw as stoic, quiet, he was a big man, sat in his chair, became a very gentle man, a man who would cry at the drop of a hat and would call me when they were out of town to tell me how much he loved me with tears in his voice. I could hear it. That kind of blessing is powerful and is intended for us to pass on to the people around us. And we all want that. We want the people who matter most to speak words of love to us. And if we don't get those from the people that love us most and that matter most, 
we end up chasing them to find them somewhere. People will chase them from other people. They'll look for relationships. They'll go to places to meet people to somehow hear those words. They'll chase a friend group that's really not even who they are to become like them so they can hear, in a sense, those words. You matter. You belong. You're part of us. And we like you. People chase those things in groups. They chase them to be even someone they're not. They do things to impress the crowd that they know are not who they are. And they'll even even go against their own Christian convictions at times in search of that acceptance. People will overwork to try to gain that word from a boss. They'll compromise their convictions. They'll do all those things and at the end of the day still put their head on their pillow and still be lonely, still feel defeated, still be depressed, still feel anxious and even more stressed because they're in search of the blessing. Now, all those things that we want from the people around us are only a small taste and a picture of what we really long for from the one who made us. I love it when Heather compliments, praises, and tells me I matter, I belong. She's proud of me. I love to hear all that. I love to hear it from my kids. But you can get that from a spouse and you can get that from kids. But if you don't hear it from the one who really matters, you'll still live in that vacuum. You'll still live in search of something that just doesn't seem to be filled within you. Every one of us want to hear God say, you matter. I love you. Your sins are forgiven. You belong. And I approve of you. Now, sin is what has kept us from being able to know those things from birth. Sin and our own personal choices keep us from experiencing and hearing that word of blessing. But God has made a way for us to hear it. And the enemy will do everything he can to keep you from hearing that blessing from the one who matters most. The enemy wants to keep you isolated. The enemy wants to keep you living in the shadows. The enemy wants to make you think you could never hear a blessing from God. In this series, we're going to talk about how you and I can hear that blessing from God, what it takes, what it sounds like, and how it transforms our life, and then ultimately in the series, in this four-week series, 
we're going to talk about how do you say those words to the people in your life so that you're not living just chasing a blessing, but you become a giver of the blessing. Amen? I'm looking forward to it. Today, our message is called Receiving the Blessing. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to the book of Numbers. This is where we're going to hang out today because there's a picture in the Old Testament that's important for us to understand when it comes to this idea of the blessing. And to understand it, we have to go back and do a little bit of history, a little bit of uh, setting the stage, if you will, for the blessing. So we're going to the book of Numbers in the Old Testament in the early uh, pages, in fact, of the Old Testament. And we're going to look at the role of the high priest in that day. The high priest is not like the pastor in our day. The high priest existed at a time when the tabernacle uh, was the part of the worship of the people of God. And so God had in, instructed them to build a tabernacle, a building that had rooms within it, the holy room, and then a holy est room, the holy of holy room. And in that place was where the Ark of the Covenant sat, this gold box that had the angels over the top of it peering down into it, this gold box that had a, a, a lip around the edge of the top of it, where the high priest alone, this one man who was called and told to qualify for this role would enter once a year into this holy of holy place and there he would take with him the blood of a spotless lamb, a sacrifice that God had prescribed. He would enter into that place with great fear and trembling. He would take the lamb's blood and he would go in and he would pour it out on this altar, this altar that symbolized the presence and place of God in this room. And then he would turn and leave and go back out because he represented the people to God and he represented God to the people. The role of a high priest was a high calling. It was a holy calling. And so this role that he had was, was very strict. There was a certain set of clothing he was supposed to wear. There was a hat that he wore, and on this hat, it was to be inscribed holiness to the Lord right there across his forehead. And he wore this, and it portrayed to the people, this man is the high priest, a high and holy calling upon him. In the book of Numbers, we find much of the families that were involved and part of the family of God, the people of God, and in particular in Numbers 3, we find out about the man Aaron, who was Moses' brother. You're the brother of Moses, if you're Aaron. And he is called to be the first high priest. God calls him, and Aaron goes on, and he has five children. And they grow up, five boys. And they are called to be in this priesthood as well this high, holy calling that they have upon their lives. And in Numbers 3, if you start in verses 1, 2, and 3, I'm going to start in verse 4. It talks about two of the five kids. 
In verse 4, it says that Nadab and Abihu, these were two of the five kids, it says they died before the Lord when they offered profane fire before the Lord. Strange fire, some uh, translations say, or some versions say. When they offered profane fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai and they had no children. Nadab and Abihu, two of the sons who were responsible to have this role of priest, part of the responsibilities was offering up incense to the Lord. And the, the Bible describes exactly how this fire was to be attained, where it was to come from, and it was to be used only in a holy way. You couldn't just bring whatever you wanted to God and say, here you go. I hope this atones for my sin. No, the only way you have atonement for your sin is by doing what God says you must do to atone for your sin. It had to be in his way, his sacrifice. It had to be a spotless lamb. It didn't matter that you were a craftsman and you could build glorious things and you brought that to God. He's not interested in what you do. He's interested in what he does to atone for sin. Amen. That's what happened to Cain and Abel. One brought a sacrifice in line with what God had done to cover Adam and Eve in their sin. The other brought something to show off how good he was from his own crops. One of those was accepted and one was not. God is looking for a sacrifice that's in order with his ways. Nadab and Abihu said, you know what? We're pretty good at this whole fire thing. We can get fire from wherever we want. We want to do our own thing. And so they bring their own fire into the holy place of God to be used there in worship. And God says, sorry, boys. That's not what, it requ that's not what is required. And they lose their lives. God is a holy God. Sin is a weighty matter. And if you're going to be the high priest then you must walk in his ways because God deserves to be praised. He deserves to be followed and obeyed and he deserves to be the one who is blessed forever. Amen? Amen. This is what we are called to do, to worship him, walk in his ways and bless him. In fact, we read in the Psalms, many of the Psalms, but in Psalm 104, verse 1, it says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. We are the ones who deserve to give him all praise. He is the creator. We are the created. He is the holy one. We are just man. He is the king over all creation. We are but his servants. Amen? This word here in Psalms, bless. It's highlighted here. Bless. Bless the Lord. In the Old Testament, this word to bless meant to kneel before. It meant to stretch out your hands. It meant to speak worth of someone, of God, to speak about his glory and his power and his ways and to serve him. So to say, bless the Lord, you are putting yourself in a posture of humility before him. You are putting yourself lower to stretch out your hands as a place of dependence, crying out, expressing your love, opening yourself to him. 
and to speak of his worth and to serve him with your life. So it's no small thing when David or any of the others said, bless the Lord. It was a humble act, a powerful expression of love, of humility, of adoration, and a desire to serve the other, to bless the Lord. So this high priest role, they were responsible for keeping the holiness of God before the people. They were responsible for keeping the tabernacle and the sacrificial system before the people so that they could have their sins paid for, so that they could be free. But there was another responsibility that the priest had And that is lined out for us in Numbers 6. Another responsibility that the priest had, and this is where we're going to hang out today, in Numbers 6, verses 22 through 26. Because here, God gives Aaron some very specific words that he is to say to the people of God. Aaron, I want to give you some words that will be a blessing to the people. And this is where we get our idea of the blessing, okay? Numbers 6, verse 22. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. The next part of verse 23 says this, say to them. In other words, Aaron, I have something that I want you to give to the people. I want you to give a blessing to them. And to do that, I want you to speak to them. You're going to say something to them. Did you know that a blessing in the heart is only a blessing when it comes out of your mouth. You can feel all you want towards someone else, but until you say it, there's no power in it. You can think, I love my husband, I love my wife. You can feel all kinds of affection and memories and romance and desire, But in order for that to have power, that feeling, that thought, all that's within you has to be spoken for there to be power in it. Are you with me? If you're going to love your children, you can't just keep inside you all of the thoughts, emotions, feelings, and wondrous things that you feel and think about them and assume that they're going to be blessed by that. It's not a blessing until it leaves your heart and comes out your mouth and goes into their ear. That's the only time there can be a blessing. For a blessing to have power, it has to be spoken. It has to be said. It has to be said to them. It has to be said so that they can hear it. And it's important. If a mom's words weigh 100 and a dad's words weigh 500, God's words weigh 2 million. They are that valuable and they must be spoken. That is why God will give Aaron 
some very specific words to say. God has always put together, though, this idea of heart and words. They've always been important. In the New Testament, the very idea of somebody being saved happens when they believe in their heart and they confess with their mouth. If you confess in your mouth, or if, you, if you believe in your heart but never confess in your mouth, there is no salvation. If you confess with your mouth but there's no belief in your heart, there is no salvation. You're putting on a front. You're putting up a fake. And if you think you feel it here but you never say it here, you're not going to experience the fullness of what God has for you. Because with God, it's always here first and here next. And it's important that you and I know how to receive it here and speak it here. I'm afraid we've become a generation, though, that um, says we feel we don't know how to speak who likes the idea of faith being private. It's just such a private thing to me. I just don't want to speak about it. It's just such a personal thing. I'm afraid if I say anything, it'll open up my floodgates and I'll start crying. Praise God, please do. Come on now. Yeah. Can you imagine ever saying that to your spouse? Well, I'm just afraid to tell you how much I love you. I mean, I might just start getting all emotional and actually feeling it all of a sudden. Huh? What? Really? You don't want to tell me how much you love me because you're afraid of the emotion that might come from it? Come on, say it, say it. Let's experience all of this. God says the same thing. If you're going to walk with me, you're going to have to receive it and you're going to have to learn to speak it. There's always been power in that. There's power in speaking what God puts in your heart. That's why we are called to pray, and even to pray out loud at times. That's why it's important that a dad prays at the dinner table with his family so that the children can hear his heart, can hear his words, can hear faith real. That's why it's important for a wife to hear a husband pray for her so that she can know the genuineness of his faith. That's why it's important for a husband to hear a wife pray for him because it solidifies the relationship and puts him in this place where what's in the heart comes out in the mouth and God is glorified and moves in the midst of it all. Because when you speak, you change the atmosphere in that space. When you speak your faith out in your marriage relationship and you speak of your love to one another, you change the atmosphere in that marriage. When you speak love to your children, when you speak hope to your children, when you speak the promises of God to your children, when you speak out about your commitment to them, you change the atmosphere in that relationship. You change the atmosphere in your home, amen? When we are here, gathered as a church, we're called to pray, to sing, to open our mouth and express what's in our heart because you change the atmosphere in the room when you speak what's in faith in your heart. Amen? You change. You change personally by saying it. 
The people around you change by speaking it. A room, an entire people are changed because we choose to speak in prayer and in worship and even in amens inside a message. Do you know that's encouraging in the room right here? Did you know that by an amen or a that's right or a come on, all that stuff, you, by your choice to do that, are saying to yourself first, I agree with that. I'm following that. God, may it be so for me. That's what an amen means. And when you say it, the people around you hear it. And it changes them. And you change the atmosphere even in a room because you choose to speak out your faith. We've become a generation of Christians, I'm afraid, who are too afraid to speak. And therefore, the atmosphere is no longer one of godliness in our land today. But that's another topic. There's power when you speak. Uh, Jesus said, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, if you have even the smallest faith, Jesus said, listen, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. You could have all the inward thoughts about faith, all the inward longings about faith, all the ideas, all the study, all the research, all the praying, and it's all in quiet personal solitude, but look, there's power when you say to the mountain, be removed. When you speak out and then you change the atmosphere by speaking it and no longer just containing it down deep inside. Amen? God's going to give Aaron the specific words to speak. Aaron, this is what I want you to to say to them, words that come directly from the heart of God, words that were to be regularly spoken to the people of God, words that were going to shape their lives and go with them in the future. Here is the verses, the words that God gave them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God gave these words to Aaron and said, Aaron, I want you to speak these words over the people. They need to hear these words. I want you to say them. I want them to hear them. I don't want you to say it once. I want you to say it often. I want you to remind them of these words as you travel, as you go. This is the blessing you will speak over them because these words are powerful. And to me, the most powerful words are the first four words. The Lord bless you. The Lord Jehovah, the one who has always existed, the one who is the creator of all things, the one who reigns on the throne, the one who is worthy of all worship, the one 
from whom all things came, the one to whom all things will go, the one who created all that is, not just earth, but the universe, time, and eternity itself. He created. He does not exist in them. They exist in him. He is the one. He is the Lord. And what is stunning, absolutely stunning to me, is it says, the Lord bless you. This ought to be the other way around. You bless the Lord. He deserves it. He is worthy of it. He is where it all begins. You bless him. But here, for those who had by faith trusted in him, by faith had their sins atoned for, by faith recognized him, by faith were walking in him, God gave Aaron a verse, a story, a point, a message that says, say to the people of God, the Lord in heaven bless you. Now look, what did I say the word bless meant? It means to kneel before. It means to stretch out your arms. It means to speak words of love. And it means to serve. And here in this blessing from God is a statement that God himself says, the Lord, the one in heaven, the one who reigns over all, the one who's created you, the one who has purpose for you, the one who made a way for your sins to be atoned for, this God has come to bless you. This God has come to say to his people, you matter to me. I love you. I created you. I made a way for you to be right with me. You matter. This God was saying, you belong with me and in me. You were made for me. You were made that you might belong in me and in me. You are loved. You are accepted. You can be forgiven and you can belong in me. And when you know that you belong in me, you won't have to chase your belonging in other people. You won't have to chase after the crowd that will laugh at your jokes and think you're cool and give you the praise and give you a form of the blessing that you've been looking for. I am that blessing and I've come to give it to you. You matter. You belong. And with me, you can have peace. You can know you have been approved. You don't have to keep working longer hours hoping for just some words of praise from your boss and your coworkers. You don't have to keep chasing it from all of them because it's all in me. You matter. You belong. There's peace. And I am with you. 
This was the kind of blessing. And it was stunning to the people because they were hearing it from the man who mattered most, the high priest, who was speaking for God who matters eternally most. And the Lord was giving blessing to the people. From his mouth was coming love and promises and hope and forgiveness. They weren't hearing condemnation. They weren't hearing rejection. They weren't hearing anger. They weren't hearing mocking of who they were. They weren't hearing words of defeat or disapproval. They were hearing words of blessing from the man who had the power to bless. Mm. From the high priest, this one who would enter in, this one who took the blood, this one who they waited to see if he would actually come out, if he had actually offered a holy sacrifice, if he was holy, if the blood was holy, if he had done it in a holy way, they waited to see if he would come back out again of that tabernacle holy place. And when they did, their hearts were set at ease. He didn't die in the room. The New Testament says that Jesus has become our great high priest. He was the one who John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Jesus offered up his blood, a spotless lamb's blood, for our sin. And the Bible says that when he died, he entered heaven into that most holy place that the tabernacle pictured. And he went in there and he poured out the blood of himself. While the world waited to see if it would be accepted. And three days later, what did Jesus do? He walked out of the tomb, resurrected as a way of saying, the blood has been accepted. Your sins are forgiven. Amen. Jesus is our great high priest. And so all that happened in the Old Testament high priest's role were pictures of what Jesus would do for us in his role. So when he went in and offered up his blood, he paved a way so that you and I might know the blessing of being right with God. Jesus, because of entering in, paid for and atoned for your sin. Jesus removed your sins as far as the east is from the west. Jesus fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law that you and I couldn't. And then he gives that righteous gift to us and now calls us righteous and blameless. Jesus has adopted us into his family. Jesus became what we were so that we could become what he is. He became the sinner so that we might become the righteous. Amen? Look here. And now, as the one seated in heaven, as the one who had paid for our sin, he is there 
And he is highly loved by the Father, isn't he? He's highly praised by the Father, isn't he? He's, he's highly given an inheritance with the Father. He's allowed to sit at the very right hand of the Father. And he says to us, when we believe in him, that we are put in him and him in us. So let me just shock you for just a moment with the truth. Don't look at yourself today wondering if God loves you. Ask yourself, does the Father love the Son? Then the Father loves you because you are in the Son. That ought to produce a little shiver up and down your spine a little bit, right? And for how much the Father loves the Son is how much the Father loves you. He loves you like you are the Son. And I know what you're saying right now because I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah, but you don't know what my past is. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what this past week has been like. I don't care. If you've entered into Jesus Christ, it's not what you've done in the past. It's what he did on the cross. And that's how much he loves you. Amen? This is now who you are. And if he, if he has an inheritance and blessings for him because he has been perfectly obedient... Guess what you and I have in him? Those same blessings. You say, but I haven't been righteous. Exactly. It's not about you and your righteousness and your perfection and your goodness. It's all about Jesus' righteousness and goodness and perfection. And he fully obeyed, is fully righteous. And if you're in him, the father looks at you and says, righteous. And I don't deserve that. And I haven't earned that. But this is what we have received. This is why the New Testament says this in Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You don't have to keep walking in your guilt. You don't have to keep walking in your insecurities. You don't have to keep walking in your weaknesses. You don't have to keep walking and wondering if he sees you. You don't have to keep walking and wondering if you're accepted. You don't have to keep wondering if you're secure in him. You don't have to fear you're going to be found out. You don't have to live in depression for your lack of ability. You don't have to live in anxiety because you can't figure it all out. You don't have to live in your sin where you hide in the shadows. You don't have to live in all of that because Jesus has removed your past and your standing that you thought you had attained to and he's given you what Jesus has attained to and this is now who you are. Amen? You don't have to be a slave anymore. You don't have to live under the weight anymore. Remember what I told you about the word bless? That it means to kneel, to stretch out your hands, to speak worth. You remember the slide? It has those definitions. 
the picture, the words, the importance of the word bless. I want you to just look at that for just a moment. Because I can wrap my mind around the fact that I need to do this for God. But the fact that it would say, the Lord bless, it just rattles me a little bit. It's hard to picture the Lord himself on his knees. It's hard to picture him with his hands outstretched. It's hard to picture him speaking words of love. It's hard to picture him serving. But that's exactly what the New Testament describes. On the night that Jesus is arrested, he gathers for a final meal with his disciples. And there, he does something completely uncharacteristic. He, the teacher, the leader, takes up the towel and the basin of water and becomes the servant. And he begins to wash the feet of the disciples. And you know what Jesus is doing in that moment? He's on his knees. You know what Jesus is doing in that moment? He's stretching out his hands. You know what Jesus is doing in that moment? He's speaking words of love. You know what Jesus is doing in that moment? He's serving. And the Bible says that as he's moving from disciple to disciple, doing this servant act, that he comes to Peter, and Peter says, hold up. You are not going to wash my feet. Peter was saying, look, I'm the one. I'll, I'll wash your feet. I'll serve. I'll speak. I'll stretch out my hands. I'll kneel. But I just can't take it in, Jesus, that you're going to sit before me and stretch out your hands and be on your knees and speak words of love and serve me. I just can't deal with that, Jesus. I just can't take in that you are going to do that for me. This just doesn't seem right. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you will have none of me. The doorway into the blessings of God begins with Jesus on his knees, his hands outstretched, and his words of love to you, calling you, drawing you in, serving you. Do you can you imagine Jesus with his, his arms outstretched to you? And he's calling you like a father to a child. Come to me. Come on. You can walk. Come on. This is what Jesus is saying and doing for each of us. And this, he says, is where life begins. Because you can't walk in it until you'll receive it. And the Christian life begins with the most humbling of all moments, allowing Jesus to kneel, speak, and wash you. This is the blessing. This is what you were made for. Don't resist Jesus when he's 
in front of you. Don't say, well, you're not going to do that for me. I mean, I've got to prove myself first. Nope. Well, I mean, I, I, just, I just don't feel like I deserve I mean, this just doesn't feel right. Exactly. The blessing isn't meant to feel right to you. It's meant to humble you. It's meant to move you. It's meant to draw you in. It's meant to show you the depth of what he's done for you. This is where it begins. This is the blessing that is yours and mine in Jesus Christ. You don't have to live trying to be good enough to get a blessing. You can stop overworking. You can stop hiding now. You can come out of the shadows. You can stop the late night worries. You can stop all the panic and anxiety. You can end the addictions. You can walk away from the depression and from the anger and come to hear the voice that matters most in all eternity. The voice of God saying, I, I have redeemed you. I love you. You are mine. I will protect you. I will give you peace. I am here to bless you. Would you bow your heads this morning? As you picture Jesus before you this morning, will you respond with that kind of humility that receives the humble, gracious gift of his love? Would you come out of where you've been? Would you put away the fears? Would you put away the guilt and let him wash you? Would you let him bless you? Father, I'm thankful for the fact that while we were sinners, while we were enemies, while we were going our own way, while we were hiding in the shadows, while we were trying to work it all ourselves, you came and met us. You came to free us. And you did the thing that was the most humbling for us. You humbled yourself before us. You gave your life for us. And so now we humbly receive your love, your grace, knowing we belong now in you. We matter in you. We are favored in you. And we are blessed in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to do something else today uh, as we close out our message time. Um, Terry and, and Teresa Brindley are members here at Vertical, and they'd asked uh, last week if we would, um, 
if we could call for the elders and anoint her with oil and pray for her. So I'd like to ask Terry and Teresa to make their way up here now. We're going to do that this morning. Teresa has uh, struggled with MS since 88, first diagnosis, and uh, some other things have happened along the way. In fact, this week, um, over the past couple of weeks, things have kind of progressed to a point that she was really physically struggling and she spent four days this week, five days, five days in the hospital with treatments. Praise God, she's here this morning. Amen. And doing better. Amen. Yeah. Uh, but Terry, as her husband, had asked me last week, can we pray for Teresa this Sunday? And uh, not knowing what all this past week would even be. Uh, but we do that here at Vertical because we believe that's what the scripture calls us to do in times when... We are in need. Uh, we can call for uh, the elders of the church to pray. Uh, not that they have any greater power necessarily with God, but as an act of obedience to God and as a sign that the church stands with them. Uh, the elders are there to pray over and to speak hope and peace. So I'd like to ask our elders to come and the wives, uh, their wives as well. Once they're here, uh, if your family are, are friends with Teresa and you want to come as well to pray, you, you're welcome to come join us here. Yeah, y'all gather around. Y'all let Dave and Linda make their way over here to the middle if you can. If y'all could part the waters down front down there a little bit. Yeah. Maybe Dee Dee backs up a little bit. Sorry, Dee Dee, to call you out, but uh, just give Linda some space there. Linda has the oil, and she's going to apply that. The oil in the Bible is a symbol of uh, the Spirit of God. It's a symbol of anointing. It's a symbol of blessing. And so... Um, we apply that this morning to her as a reminder to her and to all of us that the Spirit of God is in her and with her and for her and that he can use even the days of difficulty to glorify himself in ways beyond what we could imagine. He can raise up, he can heal, but he can also glorify himself through our times of struggle. Amen? If the rest of the church would please stand as we pray this morning, we pray together as people of faith. Father, I thank you for Teresa. I thank you that you have created her. There is no day in her past or no day in her future that you were not aware of, that you have not planned and purposed. I thank you that you have redeemed her from a past of sin, of rejection of you, and you've changed her heart. She's now a woman who pursues you, who seeks you, who longs for you. I thank you that your spirit dwells within her, that she is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I thank you that she has been adopted into your family. I thank you that she is seated with you in heavenly places today. I thank you that you have a purpose for her. I thank you that there is no weapon formed against her that can stand. I thank you that there's confidence and power of knowing who you are and who she is in you. 
I thank you that she is a child. She is redeemed. She's been made holy. She is set apart. She's been sanctified. Her story is now your story. You are speaking through her. I thank you that there is strength, that she is dead to sin, but alive to you in Jesus Christ. I, I thank you that she is more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. I think that you want to raise her up, that you want to glorify yourself through her. And I pray she would be emboldened today with your spirit that she would be strengthened with the awareness of your great love for her, that she would know that you are the one who kneels before her to bless her. You are the one who kneels before her to speak words of love to her. You are the one who stretches out your hands to her, to serve her, to speak words of hope. I pray all those would fill her today and cause an inward healing that would result in an outward healing. Father, it would be a miraculous, it would be powerful, that would be glorifying to you. We lift her up to you as a church, as your people. We commit her to you. And we are excited to see what you will do through her. We stand together in faith, in oneness, in belief, in Jesus. And spirit of infirmity, spirit of doubt, fear of, spirit of guilt and fear, you have no place in her any longer. I pray you'd be removed from her, removed from her home, removed from any aspect of her that keeps her discouraged, that keeps her doubting. I pray all those spirits would be chased away and in their place would be a filling of the Spirit of God to change and renew and make all things new within her heart and her mind and her emotions. I pray for Terry, her husband, as she trusts him. I pray he will have a spirit of wisdom and protection and uh, love and service and sacrifice for her that you've gifted him with and called him to. So, Father, we commit them all to you, grateful, not asking for a blessing, but recognizing you've already given a blessing. And in that we stand today, in Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen.